Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, God is good, right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. My thing's like twisted. There we go. Amen. Well, I wanted to, to start today. We are... Um, we're wrapping up our, our kind of like initial uh, series on the uh, familia, the, the community of Jesus. And um, next week, um, I'm pretty excited about it because um, God gave us um, kind of a unique idea for this year. And, um, and next week is our first one. We're calling it Family Talk. And how many know that in a family, um, there's sometimes you just got to have a family meeting, Right? You just need to kind of get together, talk about some things, um, and you usually have a family meeting at the table or all sitting in the living room or whatever it is, and you just kind of talk about some stuff. And um, in our house, we have lots of family meetings. Um, sometimes we have family meetings just to annoy our kids. Um, we'd start shouting, family meeting, and everybody has to come out of their rooms, um, and Sometimes it's just because we want to try something new that we got at the grocery store. Um, sometimes it's complete nonsense, but sometimes it's something that is uh, very relevant to our family, a decision we have to make or something we need to talk about. I can tell you this, next week's not going to be nonsense and we're not going to try something new that we, um, that we got at the grocery store. But um, what we're going to talk about next week is how do we represent the family? So when we go outside of these walls... How do we represent the family? What do we do? How are we to conduct ourselves to represent the family of God? And so we're going to have a little bit of a different format. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but make sure that you come because it's going to be super good um, next week. And it's going to be the first of many that we'll have this year, um, a family talk. So I'm pretty excited about that. Today's Super Bowl Sunday, and so I hope that you got your uh, tailgate on this morning and had pancakes. Thank you to the guys that cooked. Um, I would try to call you out, but I don't even know who, who all it was. So, um, but thank you so much. Pancakes, um, sausage, bacon, I don't know what all we had. Uh, I can't eat before I come up here because if I do, then all kinds of things will be happening and it'll be distracting, be weird. So um, anyway, but I know that it was good. I'm sure that people enjoyed it. And um, after service, we have another little surprise for you um, because food should not stop today. Um, because it's Super Bowl Sunday. So I don't know if you're rooting for the Chiefs or the Eagles or the halftime show or the commercials or the food. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you celebrate, but we should celebrate any time that we have an opportunity 
to celebrate. Amen? I do have a little bit to say on the Super Bowl before I jump way into my message today. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Um, so Paul is talking there and he says that I'm, I'm a chief and I'm a sinner. So how many are really glad that Jesus came to save chiefs? Are, are you excited about that? Are you glad? How many are thankful that Jesus came to save chiefs? Amen? Amen. I'm very thankful of that, even that, that Jesus came even to save chiefs. But in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, Though that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, right? That's what the scripture says. It says they will run, but they're not going to be weary in their running. Amen? Praise God. I believe this is prophetic for the Super Bowl tonight, that the eagles are going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk, and they're not going to faint. Amen? Can I get a hallelujah from the congregation today? I'm kidding, of course, um, though I am rooting for the Eagles, and that's just because my boy Jalen Hurts, I call him my boy um, because we're really close. We spent one year together at Oklahoma. Um, I watched him play a lot of football. He won a lot of football games um, for us, and I was very invested. And so today, I am rooting for Jalen Hurts to win the Super Bowl. Amen? Amen. All right. Can we go on to something for real? <laughs> Please. Wow. All right. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your love. God, we thank you that you're a God who has given us all things for life and godliness. And so we pray today that as we open up your word to receive from your Holy Spirit today, that you'll reveal truth to us, that we can apply it to our lives and we can grow, that we'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, again this week, I don't have the, the notes where you can download, and one of the reasons why is because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak um, very personal today, and I wrote down a lot of stuff that I really don't know what I'm going to say and what I'm not, um, and, and we're just going to go with the Spirit of God today. We always go with the Spirit of God and what He wants to say, um, but I did not upload my notes, and so take notes. Your notes app or whatever um, you use, chisel it into a stone tablet today, whatever you're using um, to take some notes because this is going to be important. I wanted to do a really quick recap of what we talked about last week. I believe last week was really powerful. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4, it says, where there is no oxen, the trough is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. Now, the, when, when we look at this church thing and, and we, we look at what God is doing in the earth, sometimes we think that we have to have perfection in order to make some of these things happen. We think that everything has to be taken care of. I hear people all the time say, well, I would go to church, but I just got some stuff going on in my life. And whenever I get this stuff straightened out, that's something I need to get back to. 
But I believe this, that if we are operating as the church, we're creating an atmosphere where people can come in with their baggage, and when they're ready to get rid of their baggage, we can say, let me help you get rid of your bags. But it's not my job to, when somebody comes in here to say, no, you got to drop all that stuff and get rid of it before you can come into this place. Amen? That's not what this family is about. Because when, the, when there is no oxen, the house or the stalls are clean. But much growth, much increase, much production happens when there are strong oxen. I believe this, that when you come into this house, you don't have to have everything together. And we don't need to give someone permission to be able to serve God. Amen? But you come in and you have a desire and let's let Jesus work on you and let's just pursue him. The idea today that we had a front full of people that said, I need help with my unbelief meant that we're growing as a church. Because when we can come together and we can say, you know what, I've been doing this thing for a while, but if I'm being honest with myself, I need some help today. And we can come up and we can say, God, help me in a moment of honesty, in a moment of vulnerability. See, a church that's not growing in maturity wouldn't have had anybody come up because they didn't want anybody to see that they're struggling with anything. Amen? But when we're growing in maturity, when we're moving in the things of God, it's all about how we can grow in God. It's all about how I can get to know God better. It's all about how I can move past things in my life. And I've got news for you that there will never be a moment, as long as you are here on this earth, that you are moved past every challenge that you're ever going to face. You're never going to have that moment because until we all reach the point that we are 100% like Christ, we're all going to be moving forward. We're all going to have something we need to adjust, something we need to change, a challenge in our life, a growing point in our life. We're all going to reach that point that we say, I'm at the end of my faith. Help my unbelief. Help me to move past this. God, help me. God, challenge me. God, change me. God instructed me, I haven't even told Tiffany this, God instructed me um, about two or three weeks ago to start asking him to help me to love her more. And I thought, man, I, I think I, we've been married for 20 years. And I believe that my love for her is stronger than it's ever been. But he said, I want you to ask me to teach you to love her more. Okay, God teach me to love my wife more. How do I do that? Well, I don't know all the answers, obviously, or he wouldn't have told me to ask. And so he's growing me in that. He's teaching me in that. He's changing me, he's transforming me. Once we think we know everything that there is to know, then we've capped where God can take us. But I believe he wants to take me places that are further, amen? Praise God, praise God. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22, and we spent a lot of time on this last week. If you haven't watched it, go to our website. Um, if you weren't here last week, or even go and watch it again. On our website, it's archived, wolcarlsbad.com. It's also on our YouTube page, archived. Go back and watch last week's message we spent quite a bit of time here. We talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. It says, it's talking about the body of Christ, and it says, no, much rather, 
Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body that we think are less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, (coughs) excuse me, having given greater honor to the parts that lack, that there would be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. We will not have division in our body. We won't have gossip in our body. We won't have things that are ripping us apart in the body of Christ if we will recognize that there are people that come in here that have challenges just like I have challenges. And maybe my challenges today aren't the same as they were yesterday, but it doesn't mean I don't have challenges now and I didn't have challenges then. I didn't have struggles then and I don't have struggles now. It means that we're all in the same boat together and I bestow honor on the one that is struggling and even greater honor on them. And if I'll do that, then there's not gonna be division in the body. We can't gossip about somebody who's admittedly growing. If you come to me and you begin talking smack about somebody and what they did, I'm not gonna be surprised, not because I think you're a horrible person, but because I know that you're growing just like I am. And so it doesn't affect me, it doesn't bother me in any way. That takes the sting out of the person who's trying to make themselves look better and somebody else look worse, amen? Because you know what I also know is that you have struggles too. And so do I. And we're all in the same boat, but we're all growing and being formed into the image of Christ. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I become a sounding brass and clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, if I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Because love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. It says, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. And if there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Why? Because we know in part. We prophesy in part. But that which is perfect, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. See, the thing is that I can speak with tongues so much that I become tone deaf to the needs of my brother. I can speak in prophecy and I can forget the love part and I'm prophesying in part and I end up losing my brother instead of exhorting my brother, instead of comforting my brother because I know in part. Paul did all these things. He spoke with tongues. Paul prophesied. Paul had a search all the time for knowledge to gain more and more knowledge. Thank you, brother. Paul did all of these things, yet he said love is the way that we should conduct ourselves. Love is our default because we know in part. 
because we have this much of the puzzle. There are a lot of people who hurt a lot of people by prophesying and forgetting love. There are a lot of people that hurt a lot of people by, by getting so caught up in the supernatural but losing love. Should we seek the supernatural? 100%. Paul said desire spiritual gifts. We should desire them, but there's a more excellent way is what the scripture says, and that's through love, amen? Praise God. So this week, we're talking about a better way it's a better way, a better family, a better covenant built on a better promise. This is a better way built on a better promise. So say that with me. Say it's a better way built on a better promise. Hebrews chapter eight, verse six, it says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. This is talking about Jesus and in the context of Jesus being our high priest. It says he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch he is also the mediator of a better covenant that was established on what better promises. Again, say it's a better way on better promises. Say it one more time, it's a better way on better promises. If we skip down a couple of verses to verse 10, it says what this covenant is, this better way. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Now, when it says house of Israel, there is the physical house of Israel, and then there is the chosen people of God, or you could even say it this way, the ones that have chosen God, the ones that have said, Jesus, come into my life. And so the physical house of Israel, we've got, these are the, the physical descendants of Abraham, but we are the spiritual house of Israel or the spiritual descendants of Abraham. When God told Abraham he was gonna multiply him, he said the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky, the physical and the spiritual, he's going to multiply him. So when we see this, that God will make a covenant with the house of Israel, he's talking about us. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is the covenant. I'm gonna write my laws on their hearts, right? I'm gonna... Write my laws on their hearts and I'm gonna put my laws in their mind. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is a better covenant. That the laws of God are written on our hearts. No longer is it inscribed on a stone tablet, the law of God, the 10 commandments that we are to follow, that we are to operate in. Now, Jesus said that we're to operate and to live by the law of love. This is the new covenant but it's inscribed upon our hearts. It's written in our lives. A better covenant is based on relationship rather than rules. I want you to get that. It's based on relationship rather than rules. The old covenant put everyone into the same mold, but the better covenant, this may go against your, uh, your, your, your grace theology here, and we're a grace church. Give me a minute to, to explain it. I believe that the better covenants can sometimes be more rigid. 
but it depends on you. It can sometimes be more, now let me give you an example. Now we have, you know, the, the, the 10 commandments and we have 10 rules that we're supposed to live by and Jesus said nobody has fulfilled that. Nobody's fulfilled the law of Moses which was the law of God. This is the only way that you could reach God. You had to have perfection. Nobody's reached that, but God has written his laws and his rules on, on our heart, his precepts, his, his ways. He's written them on our heart. He's inscribed them on our heart. And what I mean by sometimes it can be more rigid is I had certain things in the law that I couldn't do. Thou shalt not murder, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Remember the Sabbath, no idols before God. Thou shalt not covet. And we have all these things and there's been a lot of teaching and we can expound on those things and what they really meant and how it encompassed all of our sin. But I told you this before that God dealt with me sometime back about a blood pressure issue that I I was having and how energy drinks and Red Bull specifically was a direct contributor to that in my life and how drinking that for me is a sin. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says thou shalt not drink Red Bull. Nowhere in the Bible. And you can drink it if God hasn't spoken to you and dealt with you in that way, but I can't, right? Sometimes it's more rigid because God has inscribed his laws on my heart. He's teaching me his ways. He wants what's best for me. He wants me to live a healthy and a prosperous and a long life. And in order to do that, I have said, your way is higher than mine. If I have not surrendered my life to God, I could drink Red Bull every day and I could also die really early. It's all my choice, right? But the reason why it matters to me is because I have surrendered my life to God and he has spoken to me and he has written his laws on my heart. You see what I'm saying? Paul said all things are lawful for me but not all things are expedient for me. In other words, my rules may be different than your rules. And the things that you do in your life may be different than the things that I do in my life, but I know there are certain things that God has put in my life that have set me up for success, and if I disobey those things, then I am not in faith because I'm not trusting God, and whatever is not of faith is sin, amen? That's what the scripture says. Whatever is not of faith is sin, and so it's very difficult for me to come up here and to preach a message on sin because I don't know what that means for you. There's certain things in the scripture that it's very clear that we should do and we should not do. Very clear. But there's a lot of things in the Bible that are just talking about a relationship with God and as Christ is formed in you, then he molds you into who he wants you to be. Amen? Praise God, praise God. I believe that for every single one of us, he's crafted a plan for our individual success. The old covenant ruled through fear, but the better covenant is through structure and trust that is based on an understanding of the love that God has for us. It's based on an understanding that God wants what's best for me, that he loves me. Every single one of you have a place in this family. 
in this structure, in this home. Every single one of you have a place. The Bible even tells us this in Psalm chapter 68 and verse number four. It says, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah. And rejoice before him, a father to the fatherless. He defends the widows. Is God in his holy habitation? God sets the solitary in families. Amen? God places the solitary, those that are alone, he places in families. It says he brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but then it says, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The rebellious dwell in a dry land. Pastor talked about this a couple of weeks ago where there are people that say, I don't need the church because I am the church. I think this passage and so many more speak to the contrary because yes, the spirit of God dwells on the inside of you and you can hear from him every single day. But I believe that God has set you in a family and if you're rebelling against the family, then you are living in a dry land, amen? God has put you in a place where you can succeed, where you can grow. In this family, you have a new name. Now, I'm not saying that you come in and we just start calling you something different. And there's some um, world religions that will do that. As you come into the family, you come into the church, you get a new name. But I believe that God has given every one of us a new name. Maybe for your entire life, you've been labeled one way. Maybe you've been labeled not good enough. Maybe you've been labeled addicted. Maybe you've been labeled unworthy, a disappointment, worthless, lazy, I don't know. Maybe your name came from things that just happened to you, you didn't ask for, but maybe you've been labeled as broken. Maybe you've been labeled as depressed, Maybe you've been labeled as anxious. Maybe you've been labeled as drama or high maintenance. Maybe your actions are what have labeled you. Maybe it is things that you've done in your past. Maybe your name has come as abuser or drunk or cheater or liar or attention seeker. But today, you carry a new family name. When you came into this house, you carry a new family name. Your name now is overcomer. Your name now is chosen. Your name now is holy. Your name now is accepted. Your name now is righteousness. Your name is son or daughter of the Most High God. See, when you come into here, you have a new name. We don't call you by your old name. Maybe even I knew you before you came in, but I don't call you by what I knew before. In this family, you have a new name. We call you by how God sees you in this house. Amen? Praise God. We call you what God sees you as in this house. I read this book, or I'm currently reading this book, 
um, by a pastor named Daniel Grothy, and it's called The Power of Place. I alluded to it last week, but I hadn't read enough of it for me to just say, go out and get this book. Now I can say, go out and get this book. Whether you read it, whether you listen to it on audiobook, um, I'm listening to it right now on audiobook. I believe it's on both Audible and on Apple Books. It's about a three-hour listen, um, and I'm most of the way through it. Such a powerful, powerful book on the power of place and what it means to have home. I believe that, that it's very timely um, for what God is, is doing in, in our body. But he says this in the book. He says, you give your children a name, but then you spend every day of their life naming them. Think about that. You give your children a name, but you spend every day of their life naming them. What do you call them? What are the precepts and the statutes that you're instilling in them? See, it's not just that way with our physical children. God does the same thing with us. He's given us a name, but when we come into his family, he spends every day naming us, reminding us who he's called us to be, reminding us who we are in him and who Jesus has made us to be. In this family, we don't call each other by our earned name. We call each other by God's name. I wanna give example. Yesterday, I got a text from someone that I had texted back in... Uh, I think it was maybe October, it could have, maybe it was November. Um, but we had been having a dialogue back and forth and they were going through some struggles in their life and we were, we were talking back and forth and I felt like there were some breakthroughs there and then I texted this person and they just stopped texting me back, just completely fell off the face of the earth. No communication at all. Well, I got a text yesterday that said, brother, I'm really, really sorry for not getting back with you, for ghosting you. I'm really sorry, but I need some help. And so if you would be willing, I would love to come and talk to you. You know what my answer was? Of course, when I said we're family, I meant we're family. I, I, don't, I don't know what led you to not text me back. I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't even care. But when I said we're family, we're family. See, I'm not gonna call you by your earned name. I'm gonna call you by what God calls you. And God calls you faithful, right? God calls you chosen. See, it's not about, in, in this house, and this family, it's not about what you may have done in the past. It's not even about if you have hurt me or not. We can't carry those things into this place. We're family, amen? Praise God. You know, I told, I told Tiffany, I said, um, last week was, was, so, um, was so powerful and I felt like there was just a, a flow of, uh, of the presence of God and I feel like this week is just not as hype. And, um, and I said, I almost like, I'm gonna do what God says, but I almost feel like a little pressure to like have some hype here, um, or, you know, or something. But, um, but I'm gonna do what God says. I know these are some heavy things that we're talking about. We're gonna get into a little bit of hype here later on. Not just hype for hype's sake, but you get it. Um, I hope you get it. Maybe you're like, forget this guy. I'm checking out right now. I don't know. 
But in this family, instead of allowing offense to rip us apart, doesn't that happen? It happens a whole lot. Instead of allowing offense to rip us apart, what if we had purposeful communion with each other that made us stronger, right? If we have communion with one another, we won't have offense that, that rips us apart. Several weeks ago, and I told this story, but several weeks ago, somebody that I'm, that I'm friends with said something to me, um, just kind of in passing, but says something that really offended me, and I don't get offended that often, but it, I mean, it legitimately offended me, it hurt me when they said it, and I tried to let it go, and I couldn't let it go, and a few hours went by, and then they sent me a text message, and they said, I'm really sorry that I said what I did, and especially in the way that I did, um, and asked if we could have a conversation. And I said, sure. At first, when I first saw it, I'm like, Psh. right? <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? How many times have I done the same thing? And so we had a conversation and everything was good. Everything was good. What if a, instead of letting a fence rip us apart, I mean, this is a friendship that I've had for a long time, long, long time. And I could have just let it end right there. And so could he. Just let it end right there. But instead, let's have a conversation about it. What if we just had communion and we solved our differences? What if instead of offense, we were purposeful about communion that make us stronger? See, this is a better family built on better promises, amen? See, this is God's laws written on our heart. What if instead of passively, aggressively unfollowing someone, don't act like you never have? I'm not gonna ask for your hands, but don't act like you never have. You're like, that person, unfollow. Right? Or maybe, maybe it's not unfollow because you don't want them to see. It's just like mute notifications <laughs> or block. Right? <laughs> Should we ask for him? We should start a prayer line. Now nah, we'd be here the rest of the day. <laughs> We'd miss the Super Bowl. We don't want to do that, all right? We <laughs> What if instead of passively, aggressively unfollowing, what if we had the same heart that the Father has towards us that says goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, amen? What if instead of saying, nope, I'm not gonna follow you anymore, what if we followed them? What if we started pursuing those that have hurt us and offended us to just throw goodness and mercy all over them, amen? Praise God. Would we be a stronger family if we did that? That's how the Father sees us, goodness and mercy. And so many of us, we were running away from God, but goodness pursued us. We were sprinting away from God, but mercy was there every single time to pick us up, amen? Praise God. What if we viewed our brothers and sisters that way? That instead of being ripped apart, we pursued we were intentional about our love. We were intentional about our forgiveness. What if we were intentional about our understanding? What if we tried to understand where they were coming from in the moment that they offended us? Have you ever had a bad day and said something that you regret? What if we had understanding for one another instead of unforgiveness? 
Amen? Instead of bitterness. What if instead of an insatiable desire to be right, (laughs) this is a good one for social media, what if instead of having an insatiable desire to be right, what if we had an unrelenting passion to be love? Right? What if instead of trying to prove our point all the time, we just said, I love you. I love you. I don't have to try and be right all the time because I love you. I believe that all of these things, they may seem very difficult, but I believe that all of these things can be learned and practiced within the confines of the family. This family should be teaching you to go out there and be love. It should start here. This is the place that is forgiving, should be. This is the place where you should be able to make mistakes and learn and grow. This is the place that you should have some leeway and some grace as you're trying to figure things out. Because out there it's brutal, but it shouldn't be brutal in here. This should be your safe space, right? I believe that being a part of this family, you have access to the anointing that's in the house. There's an anointing in this house that carries us. And during this portion is what I was talking about earlier that I'm gonna speak just very openly and and very personally today. I'm gonna try my hardest not to like tear up like a little baby as I'm saying some of these things, but nowadays I cry about everything, so um, I can't even like get through an episode of Yellowstone without tearing up. They take somebody to the train station. I'm like, but I liked him. (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine. Don't watch it. It's it's good. (laughs) The anointing of the family is what's carried me over the last two and a half years, the anointing of the family. It's something that's very important to me, very, it's something I didn't even know we had. I believe that God's best for the family is to be individually healthy. So not just the family as a whole, but each individual, to be individually healthy. Individual health equals whole health. Healthy habits, healthy rest, healthy eating, healthy exercising, healthy spirit. I'm not gonna take this on like some health food kick, and as you can tell, I mean, I am a specimen of physical fitness up here. I should be teaching classes. But I believe that individual health is important because healthy individuals equal healthy families, amen? Our staff here at at Word of Life, um, we've become over the last several years very intentional about taking time to get filled up, very intentional taking time to go and to 
do things like the conference I went to in Austin a couple of weeks ago, taking times to go and to just sit in another church somewhere and just be filled up, very intentional about things like rest and Sabbath and sabbatical and all of those things, days off, very intentional. Pastor Daniel said the other day, he said, I, I'm gonna take off and I, because of certain things that happened, I don't know, did you take off? So next week you have to do that. Um, no matter what happens, it'll still be okay. Um, because we have to have those times. You can't pour out of an empty cup. We have to be filled up. And so for you, we have to be filled up. It's extremely important that we're filled up, and a lot of places don't do that. In 2 Kings chapter four, verse number one, and I'm not gonna read this whole thing, but the story is in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. I think we'll have it up there. It says, there's a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. And so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? And so Elisha says, tell me what you have in the house. She said, I have a little bit of oil. He says, take vessels, go door to door. You're gonna fill up with oil and God's gonna multiply the oil, then sell it, pay off your debts. And God performed a miracle for her because as long as she had vessels, she had more oil. But God spoke to me something very clear in just the beginning of this passage this woman was a widow, her husband had gone, he had passed away, but this woman lived in a house that had an anointing. And anytime we see oil in the scripture, it's a type of the anointing of God or, or the Holy Spirit. And so here it says, I have but a jar of oil. I have just a jar of oil. I just have a little bit of of anointing, I just have a little bit. But it says that her husband was a God-fearing man, he was a servant of God, he was a prophet of God, and there was an anointing in the house. See, she thought all the anointing left when her husband passed. And the prophet of God, Elisha, he came and he said, no, 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 you still have a little bit of that anointing here because you have the anointing of the house. You may not feel like it right now, but you have the anointing of the house, and so what you need to do is you need to go out and start using that anointing, and then God's gonna multiply the anointing. Because as long as you're a vessel, he's gonna continue to fill you up. And so sometimes you come into this house and you feel like you're on empty, but you have access to the anointing of the family. When we're talking about anointing, we're talking about the ability of God to take where you end and to increase you, amen? Because sometimes we come to the end of ourselves. We come to the, to the place that we can't get any further because we don't know what to do. We're at the end of ourselves. 
And when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when God picks us up and his anointing or his power is poured out on us. Well, sometimes we get to that place where we don't even feel like we can tap in to the anointing of God. I used to be this way and everything was great, but now I'm at my end and I just can't get there right now. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of anointing in the house. And if there's anointing in the house, you have access to the anointing that belongs to the family. You have access to the anointing that's in this house, that's in this family. See, being a part of familia, of family, means that you have access to everything that's in the house, the anointing that's in the house. This family has chain-breaking anointing. Amen? This family has provision. This family has healing in this place. But you know what? The anointing isn't just on me. It's not just on Pastor Daniel. The anointing is on the house. It's on the family. This anointing doesn't just belong to one of us. See, the woman thought that the anointing just belonged to her husband. No, it belonged to the house. This anointing belongs to the house. Pastors, did you know that pastors aren't chosen because they're superhuman? It's because we said yes to the supernatural. People have said, people, the pastors are people that have said, God, I'll, I'll go where you want me to go. God, I'll do what you want me to do. God, I'll say what you want me to say. I would dare say that there's nobody that starts out as a pastor saying, I'm gonna go real good for a little while and then I'm gonna have a moral failure and I'm gonna hurt a bunch of people. Right? But, but it happens. There's no pastors out there that when they say, God, I surrender to the supernatural, I go after you, I'm going to be your mouthpiece in their five-year plan, they don't write down that I'm gonna become so lonely and depressed that I'm gonna leave the ministry. Yet 250 pastors every single month leave the ministry. Two out of five pastors have seriously considered leaving the ministry. This is in a Barna research group that was done just recently. 43% of pastors say I feel lonely, I feel isolated, I believe that a major contributing factor is hurt in the church and nobody that they trust to be able to bring them to a place of healing. Those numbers are staggering. And these are things that I've felt very personally. This all, it all came to a head for me on December 4th, 2020. Um, and some of you guys know some of this story and this isn't gonna be all of it and there's more to tell later. But it all came to a head December 4th. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I had reached my end. And 
I cried out for help, which is the hardest thing that I've ever done. Well, up until that point. Um, and so when I cried out for help, we dealt with a lot of things that were very personal, very deep. This is the part I'm not ready yet. God hasn't released me yet to share some of these things. I will at some point. Um, and I think that's probably because there's still a lot of healing that needs to take place. But I have to say, and I wrote a lot of this down because I wanted to, I didn't, I didn't want to leave things out and I wanted to be pretty structured here, but I have to say that over the last um, two years, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not completely healed, but God is in the process of transforming me. And I, I never... I never thought there would be so much to heal because I didn't think I was as much of a mess as I was. But as you start digging in and God begins to heal things from the ground up, from the roots, then you recognize where things come from. And sometimes you think it's just a behavior or an isolated attitude, but you begin to understand that these are things that maybe that weren't dealt with and things that weren't understood and and things that were suppressed for a long time. And I'm not trying to get, you know, super weird on you or anything like that, but this has been the most introspective spiritual journey that I could ever imagine. Today, I know then that I'm stronger than I've ever been. Just being really, really honest and, and, and really open in 2020, not only was I, was I hurting on the inside because of actions and because of attitudes and, and all kinds of things that have crept up, not only was I hurting there, but I, I, it also hurt me to know that I wasn't right mentally and it was, it was hurting this family. And that hurt me more than you can imagine because I knew that through, through this, the church was suffering and I had to take a step back in order to heal. But I was terrified that when I did, everything would fall apart. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I didn't for so long. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy for the church. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my, my blood family. At the beginning, it, it did kind of start to fall apart. Um, I, I think that there are, even through some conversations that I've had, many of you noticed, um, but you didn't know what was happening. I think kind of our human reaction is to fill in the blank with our own conclusions. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to, to say it. I couldn't bring myself to talk about it uh, because of shame involved in it. I'm just being honest because of shame. Um, but then God started doing something remarkable. And when I said that the anointing isn't, isn't just for you, it's also for me, the anointing of the house, the last 
two years, and I said this a minute ago, the last two years, the anointing of the house is, is what carried me because what began to happen is you started taking your place in the family. This is something that well, James and I talked about it last night at my house, that, that there are people that begin to step up and take their place in the family. And so where I thought everything would fall apart, everything began to get stronger. And you know what it allowed me to do? It allowed me to heal. I felt for so long that I didn't have a place that I could heal. I didn't have the capacity to get right because if I let go even just a little bit so that I could heal, then I wouldn't have anything to come back to. And so I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And the reality is I was gonna lose it all anyway. But in that trust factor of within the confines of the family, and that's why this subject is so passionate for me, is because you allowed me, even though you didn't know it and some left and some didn't understand, and but you allowed me to heal. And I'll always be forever indebted to you. For allowing me to be. For allowing me to, to heal, for allowing me to grow, for allowing me to step past the places that were, were walls in my life, just like you have walls in your life and you always look to us. I had things that I had to break down. I had things that I had to, to break through in order to be who God has called me to be for this house. He's called you to be things for this house. He's called me to be things for this house. But just because someone is in the position of leadership doesn't mean they don't have things that they have to break through in the house. And I didn't wanna ever get into that position. But I thank God. I said on my, my small group this last um, Thursday night that I, that I meet with, um, I said to them, I'm so thankful that I reached out and that God allowed me to have grace, that God allowed me to heal. It breaks my heart when I look around and I see all of these ministers that are either leaving the ministry or, or le because of choice or leaving because it wasn't their choice, because they failed, because I know that they didn't start that way. And I know that that could have been me. But by the grace of God, it wasn't. What's the difference? I don't know, I don't know what's gone in their life, I don't know what's gone in their heart. 
I don't know what led them to that place, and it's not my job to try and find out. But I know this, that God's grace helped me. And that he allowed me to be in a family that has stepped up even when he didn't know it and allowed a place of healing. All right, it's 11.45. I've got a page and a half of notes left. But God's called us to do something bigger than the status quo. That was the most nervous laugh I've ever heard, <laughs> right? You're all, well, how much has he done so far? <laughs> he was serious about missing the Super Bowl. God's called us to do something bigger than the status quo. You know, I, I've never been a person to do something conventionally. If you know me very well, I don't do things conventionally at all. I've never been a person that's willing to just accept the way things are. Been involved in a lot of projects throughout the community and the one thing that I say when somebody wants me to be a part of a project is, uh, I'm just gonna say it, I might get in trouble, but I, I'm not gonna do it if it's gonna suck. <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I'm not willing to just leave it alone. I do things very unconventionally. You know, getting the same results that we've ever had, always had is not good enough, and, and I know that that's hard for some people to understand, but I, they don't have the same perspective um, that I have, and I, maybe it's kind of messed up in here, but my vision doesn't fit in your box. It's not, it's not the shape of your box. Um, and the vision is so big, and it's so different. Speaking, I, well, I can promise this, and some have, have jumped on and said, let's just go, let's, let's do, let's do what God's called us to do. I can promise you this, that if you'll jump on and go, I can promise that we're gonna do some stuff that's pretty special. We're gonna do some stuff that hasn't been seen before. We're gonna make some waves. We're gonna change the world. I, I mean, I firmly believe that. You're like, man, that's a lot of big talk. I believe that. Speaking very personally, when, when you look around at some of the things that, that Tiffany and I do, God's called us to be in business, God's called us to be involved with politics. The reason why we do those things are for the house. That's the reason. They're 100% for the house. A lot of people don't understand that. It's been a bumpy road a lot of the time and we haven't done everything right. But the reason why God called us to that is because it's unconventional. See, and I'm gonna make a very bold statement here um, that I don't believe that God has called us just to be pastors of this house. I believe he's called us to be pastors of this city. That's what the vision is. How do we get to that vision? We have to go outside the box. We have to go outside the walls. We have to get our hands dirty a little bit. Sometimes we have to be willing to make mistakes, but I'm not willing to settle for a little vision. I'm not willing to settle for a little family that just stays inside this little box. That's not good enough. That's not what God has called us to. I'm not trying to criticize anybody else because I don't know what they've been called to, but I know what I've been called to. 
I believe that the last decade, God has been setting up this ministry and this house to take a place of influence. I believe that God has been, has been setting us up. He's been putting things in order. It's not the conventional way. You know, many love to quote the scripture, God is doing a new thing, and then when you start doing a new thing, they like to go back to something that's old. God is doing a new thing. That scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. It says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old because I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. That word road in the wilderness, that phrase, it means I'm gonna make a way to get to the areas that you've lost hope in, that you have forgotten, that the road is overgrown, that you can't get to anymore. I'm gonna make a road to go there. I'm doing a new thing. Because the roads that you travel every day, you can get to those places. But the roads that are washed over, the roads that have weeds over them, that rocks have fallen on, they take you to places that have been forgotten, that have been left out. God's called us to those places. That's why he has to do a new thing. He's making a river in the desert or I will flood the ground of the places that have been barren for a very long time. The places, God has called us to the places that have been barren for a very long time, that haven't grown anything in years. That's a hard road. It's really easy to grow out, to go out and to sow something in fertile soil and it just spring up and grow like that. That's really easy. But God is doing a new thing. The new thing is taking us to a place that hasn't seen any new growth in a really, really, really long time. Amen? Praise God. That's what he's called this family to because it's a better way built on better promises. We're not doing things conventional. We're not fitting inside the mold. We're not fitting inside the box. We have to allow God to do things in a new way in order for there to be progress in areas that haven't seen it. We have to come to grips with the fact that we may not have known or understood everything there is to know or understand. Many of the messages that have filled our pulpits are not things that God cares about. And I'm just trying to come at you straight today First of all, because I don't have any time left, and so I don't have time to sugarcoat it, so I hope you're cool with that. I actually started a meeting like that this week. Um, it had nothing to do with Jesus, but I sat down and I said, guys, I've had a day, and I'm kind of frustrated, and so here's the meeting. I don't know why we're here. I think we shouldn't be having a meeting today. So let's start with you telling me why we're having this meeting. Anyway, um, I, th I think everybody was still my friend there, doing the same thing right here. Hopefully, y'all will still be my friend, okay? Many of the messages that have filled our pulpits, I don't think they're things that God cares about. They're not gospel. Just uh, this week, just this week, social media accounts of Christians were flooded with disgust over what Sam Smith did at the Grammys. If you don't know about it, don't look it up. It doesn't matter. But there, many, so, I mean, we had so many people, speak, God, sorry, we had so many people speaking out. So Dallas Jenkins, he's the guy who created The Chosen. 
If you guys haven't watched The Chosen, you should watch. It's really good, okay? But Dallas Jenkins, he created The Chosen. He said about that, he wrote a long thing on it, and he said, I don't take offense to things that don't belong to me. Why are we surprised that lost people keep acting like lost people? Why are we shocked by that? Why are we offended by that? Yes, the world's a mess. It has been. That's why we need to shine a light. Why don't we stop talking about darkness and start shining a light? Amen? We've been called to do something different. We point out moral decay in companies, in government. Then, here's what we do, and I heard a lot of this, we condemn fellow members of the family for not taking a stand in the way that we think they should. How can you condemn what you don't know they've been called to? Why are we shooting our wounded? I saw a guy come out and he was condemning every Christian artist that was at the Grammys because of what took place at the Grammys. I don't know what they've been called to. I don't know the platform that God's given them. And it's not my job to try and tell them what the Holy Spirit should be telling them. Amen? Praise God. Why don't we just start shining a light? Jesus came to show us a better way. We cannot change the world if we're constantly condemning it. We also can't change the world if we don't love it. I heard this week somebody else said, well, it was in the, in the book, The Power of Place. He said, if you look at Christians, you would think that God hates the world. But the Bible says God loved the world. God loved the world. No, we don't need to be behaving like the world, but God loved the world. He, in fact, loves the world so much that he gave his son for the world. We need to start shining a light, amen? amen. Praise God. Why do we preach that Jesus can change people, yet we look at people of influence like they're beyond grace? We don't need more sermons about what we shouldn't be drinking on Saturday night. We need a Holy Spirit encounter. We need the kind that brings dead places alive. It's the kind that transforms broken lives. It's the kind that goes beyond the things that you and I can see, but it goes to the root of situations. It breaks down strongholds that have held our families for generations. Maybe you've been thirsty for relationships and you end up with heartbreak. Maybe you've been thirsty for success and it left you alone. Maybe you've been thirsty for an escape and it just left you addicted. Maybe you've been thirsty for affirmation and it left you feeling hopeless, unloved, unworthy, but I'm here to tell you today that there's a seat at the table of the familia of God. At this table, you're accepted. At this table, you're loved. At this table, you're wanted. There's no judgment at this table. And you know what? When you come and sit down at this table, I know that you're thirsty, but we're serving living water at this table. We're serving water that you will never have to thirst again when you sit down at this table because I believe that you partake of the family, you're partaking of the very life of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many Christians are consistently and constantly shaken by the things we see around us in the world. 
We're shaken. We're responding out of fear all the time. I think that many of the things that we do that are condemning-based and judgment-based really are fear-based because we know the answer, but we're operating out of fear instead of out of trust, out of love. I don't think that we mean to push people away, but I think that we're responding out of fear and instead of out of faith. What if instead of the shaking that we think that the enemy's doing, just wanna submit something for thought today, what if God's doing the shaking? What if God's doing the shaking? In the Old Testament, we referenced this last week, God said that all will know that there's a difference between the people of Egypt and the children of Israel. What if God's doing the shaking? And we're responding out of fear when he really just wants us to be his hands and feet. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, and this is my last scripture. The team can go ahead and come up. In Hebrews 12, 25, it says, see that you do not refuse him that speaks. For if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on the earth? Much more shall we not escape if we turn from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying yet once more I'll shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken, they remain. Notice that. It says God is shaking, and the things that can be removed are being removed, but the things that cannot be shaken remain. The things that cannot be shaken remain. So therefore, since we are receiving, say are receiving. It doesn't say have received. It says we are receiving. What that means to me is it's something we are growing into. It's something we are learning. It's something God is giving us grace in the process, amen? But since we are receiving a kingdom, a family that cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace so that we can serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. I believe that our God is a consuming fire. I believe this, that our God has chosen a way for us, that yes, there are things in the world that are ugly, that are things in the world that are disturbing. <clears throat> but in the midst of all that, <coughs> I'm seeing a kingdom that cannot be shaken that is taking hold of the hearts of people. We've played church for a long, long time. I'm tired of playing church. 
I'm tired of, of getting bent out of shape at the little things that, doesn't, that don't matter. I'm tired of writing arbitrary rules and then holding people to a, an artificial standard. I just want something real. I just want it genuine. Man, we, we did the best we could. I don't think that we're serving a God that's going to disqualify someone because they're growing. But I think that we serve a God that wants to write his laws on our hearts because it's a better way. It's a better covenant. And so I'm not going to make up a bunch of things that are prerequisites to be in the family or to serve in the family or use your hands for the glory of God or because I don't know when you're ready to let go of that bag but I have to trust because it's not my business anyway so I just have to trust that God's working on you and I can't say that because today you looked great and tomorrow it looks like you've regressed that that's where you are in life because I just got to trust that this is what God is doing and he's doing a work in you and he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete a good work in you. The floors may be messy because not trying to be perfect. Maybe dirty. There may be some crazy things that happen. There may be some unconventional stuff. But I'm proud of my family. I love my family. everything to me. And I'll defend you. I don't care what you do. I'll defend you because we're all pursuing Christ together. And I don't want this to sound like it's a family like like we're close and we're a clique and we're not going to invite anybody else in. Everybody who comes through the door is welcome in the family. And let's learn your story too. Or if you don't want to tell us, it's okay. We're still going to view you the same. Remember, I don't need to look in your bag. I don't know what you have in it. I saw you carrying them when you came in. I want you to let go of them one day because I know they're holding you back. But until then, if you need a little bit of help just so you can continue to come and to grow and to learn, that, that's okay. Every time you come in, let's send a team out. Let's grab all your bags, all your stuff. Let's load it up and let's get you in the door and let's give you a seat at the table. Take another drink of living water today. Take another drink bread of life today begin a transformation on the inside because we love you
church, we're not going to be a statistic. We're not going to do things conventional because there's a lot of places that need a lot of love, a lot of help, and there's a lot of brokenness. I can't imagine anybody better to go to a place that's broken than people who were broken and are being put back together. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus, you want to welcome, be welcomed to the family, I want to invite you to just say a prayer with me. If you're watching online or in the house today, just say this prayer with me. What we're doing as we're saying, Jesus, I need you. I need to be a part of something, a part of your family. I, I, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. The Bible says that if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that he rose again and we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, then you'll be saved. And so I want to invite you to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life. Because I can't do it by myself. I thank you for loving me. And I confess you today as my Lord and Savior. Jesus' name.